The Vape Passion Show, episode 12. All right, welcome to The Vape Passion Show. I'm your host, Alex, your resident vaping enthusiast, blogger, and reviewer at vapepassion.com. This show covers the latest news and research in vaping and provides tips and advice for vapers of all levels. Show notes are found at vapepassion.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at vapepassion and on Facebook, and all links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to the show. Not a whole lot going on with me. Um, I'm vaping on the iStick 100 with the Omni RDA. Finally changed out my RDAs. I've been using a Mutation X V3 for months. That's all I use. This is actually a clone from FastTech. And there's this airflow control ring here on the bottom, which is really, really loose. And it kind of sucks. The RDA itself is nice because it has really good flavor, but it's hard to build. It's a triple coil RDA, and it's got a bunch of little pieces. It's got, some, it's got a bunch of parts. I think it comes apart into, I don't know, six pieces. But it's got a lot of airflow when all of these holes are opened up, and the coils sit right behind these large airflow hole slots. I'm, I'm getting quite a bit of flavor out of this. This is an older RDA. This came out back in, I don't know, early 2015, I think. I picked this up based on Twisted 420's video of the best RDAs of 2015. I actually bought it a couple months ago and finally just got around to building it. I'm really glad that I picked this up because the flavor is really good and I really like the airflow because I like a lot of airflow. But this airflow control ring really sucks. So I would recommend if you buy it that you buy the authentic if you can find it. The FastTech version is pretty poor quality. Anyway, I'm vaping on Milk Plus from Bonsai Vapors. Really good stuff. I love this. And I just got my birthday present from my brother, which is a portable milligram scale. My birthday was actually a month ago, but he finally uh, got this in the mail just a few days ago and uh, brought it over to me today. So I'll be using that to do some DIY e-juice making. I've done a few DIY e-liquids in the past and it's okay. I don't, the thing is, is I don't really like cleaning all of those syringes. So I'm hoping that this scale will make everything a lot easier because I can just put a bottle on top of it and just drop the ingredients into it and then I'll be set without having any cleanup. I've opened it up to look at it, but I haven't got, had a chance to use it yet. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll notice that I have a new intro video. So so let me know what you guys think about that. I guess other than that, there's really nothing else going on with me. So let's get into the news. Casa did put out a couple of local alerts last week, but the date on those will have already ended by the time you, you watch this. So I'm just going to skip right ahead into the science and research stuff. So this first one here is a post from Michael Siegel. He The article is titled, CDC continues to lie and deceive the public about youth tobacco use. So the CDC just recently, on April 14th, made a claim that youth tobacco use has remained unchanged since 2011. And this is despite the fact that they just released a report on the same day saying that smoking among high school youth declined from 15.8 to 9.3 percent between 2011 and 2015, and smokeless tobacco use decreased from 7.9 percent to 6.0 percent, cigar use declined from 11.6 percent to 8.6 percent, pipe tobacco use declined from 4 percent to 1 percent, and BD use dropped from 2 percent to 0.6%. So after reporting those numbers, how are they able to claim that smoking hasn't decreased? Well, that's because they're claiming e-cigarettes as tobacco products. And they're distorting the truth because we all know that there's no tobacco in e-cigarettes or in e-juice. And even if the CDC argued that the use of nicotine-containing products 
has remained the same since 2011, they would still be wrong because, according to data, the majority of electronic cigarettes being used by youth do not contain any nicotine, but the CDC claims that all e-cigarettes used by youth contain nicotine. So here we go again with another major health organization distorting the truth to meet their agenda. Okay, this next one is from Safada.org. This is a slideshow titled Top 10 Vapor Facts and is a collection of important facts that the public, regulators, and legislators should know. So let's just quickly run through the list. Number one, vapor products are not tobacco products. They contain zero tobacco and are significantly different. Number two, vapor products do not combust like cigarettes, which is why they are 95% less harmful than smoking. Number three, vapor products do not pose the same public harm as smoking, and research shows that they are a viable solution to smoking. Number four, vapor products are a reasonable alternative for smokers. Evidence shows that vaping can help smokers stop or reduce smoking. Number five, vapor products are for adults only. The average vapor is 39 years old. Number six, flavors appeal to adult smokers and vapors. And studies confirm that variance in flavors is important in helping people stick with vaping. Number seven, research shows that nearly all vapors are former smokers. Number eight, vapor products do not present the same risks as secondhand smoke. Data on the chemistry of vapor found no evidence of health concerns. Number nine, some products contain zero nicotine. And number 10, vapor products are not a gateway to smoking. CDC data shows decreased smoking rates despite increased vaping use. So there you go, there's a good list of facts that you can show when you're in a dispute with anything related to vaping. The slideshow has links to the studies if you need to reference them. All right, let's talk about some recent news. So there was a story last week where a 14-year-old boy went to a kiosk inside of a mall to test out an electronic cigarette. Um, he shouldn't have been there in the first place, but the employee gave him the electronic cigarette anyway and I don't know all of the details, a lot of it wasn't reported, but the boy said that the vape shop clerk plugged in an electronic cigarette into the wrong battery and it exploded. It blew up in his face and cut his cornea and they think that he might be permanently blinded in that eye. First of all, I don't understand why this person handed a 14-year-old boy an electronic cigarette. That should have never happened in the first place. And second, how are these employees not trained how to use the devices properly? The article does say that this was just the, the second day this person was on the job. But still, if you're selling gear that has the potential to short, which is what seems like happened in this case, the employee needs to be trained. Yeah, it's a pretty terrible story. I feel bad for that kid. The kiosk owner is being sued, so they'll learn their lesson from that one. And the next story here is about the voice actor for Dora the Explorer. After having been caught vaping in school with a friend, she's 14 years old or she's 15 years old, the friend was 14 years old. The 14-year-old girl was expelled for vaping, while the voice actor, Fatima Tasik, only received a three-day suspension. The parents of the girl who was expelled are suing the school, claiming that Tasik was given special treatment, obviously since she's a celebrity, and, and all they really want is for the kid to be allowed back into school but they're also seeking damages to cover tuition and legal fees, which is $40,000 in total. Something I thought was funny from the article is that they claim that she was vaping caramel-flavored water. That's a, a weird thing to say. Okay, so let's get into some tips and tricks. Vapor Vanity just published an article titled Five E-Juice Flavors for People on the Go. They put together a list of e-juices for people who are living an active lifestyle, and these flavors are what they claim to help people stay energized. I think the idea behind this is kind of silly, but it's also kind of interesting, and it it might work for some of you. So let's go down the list. First up is coffee. So they say that if coffee wakes you up in the morning and keeps you energized throughout the day, an e-juice that emulates the flavor might do the same. I think that one's kind of silly, but something that I wanted to bring up is that there are e-liquids that can contain caffeine, but most people tend to believe that it's not possible to add enough caffeine to the e-juice to actually have an effect, but I don't know. You could give it a shot. Uh, the next one up is lemon. So lemon has a refreshing and energizing flavor, 
They say that the tartness of lemon juice can keep your senses tingling and help you stay awake. Next up is dark chocolate. So dark chocolate is known to boost energy levels, so simulating this flavor might also give you the same effect. That one to me just really doesn't make sense. Uh, next one up is peppermint. The aroma alone of, of mint helps to energize you. They say that the crisp, sweet, and cool flavor, as well as the aroma, can help you focus better, sustain your attention longer, and remove brain fog. I do think that the smell of peppermint has some energizing properties, so that one might actually work. I don't believe that it's going to remove brain fog though. And the last one here is licorice. They say that in the old days, when people wanted to stay awake and stave off hunger pangs, they would chew fennel seeds, which is where the flavor of licorice comes from. So who knows, maybe the licorice flavor will help stave off hunger and might also help keep you awake. It's kind of a funny article, but I thought it would be interesting to try out. If you need to wake up, try some of these flavors. Most interesting to me would be lemon, peppermint, and licorice. All right, next up is this thread from the e-cigarette forum. It was titled, How to Taste Your Juice More Intensely. Basically, the tip is to lift your tongue on the inhale. There were a couple people here who said that it did work for them, and then there were a couple people who said it, it didn't work for them. I'm in the camp of... I'm not really sure. I don't know if I actually felt a difference, a more intense flavor, but I could taste the flavor on the bottom of my tongue. So maybe it helps a little bit, but I thought it was a fun tip and I, I think you should try it. Personally, I don't really like it just because it feels awkward to lift up my tongue when I'm vaping. All right, so the next one up here, Safada recently released a checklist for members in the media who are reporting on scientific studies of vapor products. Basically, it's a huge document that, that includes questions and comments that all journalists should consider before preparing their story. It's designed to help them understand more about the study's findings and less on the sensationalized headlines of a press release. They created this checklist with its PR firm, Pondle Wilkinson, and is already distributing it to reporters and members of the media across the country. I think it's a really cool idea, but I don't know how much of an impact it's really gonna have because journalists are in it for the clicks. Online media wants people to come into the website. If it's not a sensationalized headline, they're not gonna get the clicks, and that's just how media works. I hate the crap on this. I don't mean to. I, th I think it's a really good idea, and I, I really do hope that journalists do use this checklist. I also think it's a really good checklist to point people to when you come across a story online from someone in the media who's getting all of the facts wrong. Okay, this next one up is an article that I wrote for the Halo blog. It's titled, Nine Reasons All Vapors Should Own a Vape Pen. I chose this topic because I think that all vapors should own a vape pen. Maybe it's just me, but I like to have a vape pen on me. I don't always use it, but I do like to have it with me. So let's go through the list. Number one, you can stealth vape. I know a lot of people look down on stealth vaping, but so many people do it. So I'm just going to cover that anyway. And the reason you can stealth vape with a vape pen is because they just don't put out a whole lot of power. And yeah, you can do that with a box mod. You can reduce the, the wattage way down. But when you have all that power in your hand available to use, you use it. So I think by having a vape pen, you restrict yourself. Number two, losing your vape pen won't mean the end of the world. We all know that vape pens are really cheap these days. So if you do happen to lose it or break it, it's affordable enough to go buy another one and not really care too much about it. Number three, you won't be tempted to cloud chase. So this kind of goes back to the first point that since you're limited in power, you don't have the option to go higher than that. And another benefit of of that is that you can use e-liquids with higher nicotine content. So you can better focus on what the vape pen is designed for, which is getting nicotine. And this, that's one of the reasons I like to have the vape pen on me because when I'm at work, I don't have a lot of time to take breaks. So I use pretty high nicotine e-liquid in my vape pen. I take a couple drags and I get back to doing whatever it is I need to do. All right, number four, vape pens are slim and easy to carry around. That one's pretty much self-explanatory. Number five, vape pens charge quickly. One of the drawbacks of vape pens is that they don't hold a lot of charge, but one of the benefits is that they charge really quick. If you're using a dual 18650 box mod, it's gonna take an hour or two to charge your batteries, 
but a vape pen, you can throw it on a charger and it'll be good to go in about 30 minutes. That's one of the things that I really like about having a vape pen on me. Number six, you can still use quality tanks. I think a lot of people don't realize that you don't have to use one of those crappy CE4 atomizers on your vape pen, even though that's what most of them come with, but you can really use any tank you want as long as it reads higher than the limits of that vape pen, which is usually around one ohm or 1.2 ohms. So if you have a favorite tank, you can still use it on the vape pen, it still it might look a little bit funny but you can use it you can use a dripper too number seven sometimes it's nice to change it up so this one this is more my opinion i usually like like to vape hot with maximum airflow but every once in a while i do like to go back to my nautilus mini with a really tight draw and really good flavor just because i think it's relaxing Number eight, you can keep them as backups. And like I mentioned earlier, you can get them for really cheap these days. And I actually have a couple of them laying around in my backpack, at the office, in my garage. And it's just nice to have them there if I ever need them. And the last one here is that they're durable. I'm not trying to say that they're more durable than any other kind of mod on the market, but the nice thing about vape pens is that they don't have a screen on them. So the screen isn't gonna get damaged. They do have circuitry, so that has potential to be damaged, but really it's just a small tube with a circuit board in it and a battery, and they can usually handle quite a bit. One word of caution, though that I've heard I haven't experienced this myself but people have fallen asleep with a vape pen in their pocket and by laying on it with the tank the tank and the 510 pin can snap so you do need to be careful about that okay so that's all the reasons why I think people should have a vape pen all right this next one is an image that I came across it was created by Zamplebox. it's titled safe hybrid use versus unsafe hybrid use. It's basically just a really quick and digestible image showing the difference between a safe atomizer positive pin versus an unsafe positive pin. The unsafe one being a pin that's flush with the negative threads because that would, if both the negative and the positive pin come in contact with the battery, that's where you get a venting situation. Okay, next up is a video that I came across on YouTube. This one explains high-risk credit card merchant processing. So this one's more useful for anyone who's considering opening up a vape shop. There are a couple of things to consider here. If you have bad credit, whether it's personal or business, you're gonna be considered high risk. Industries that have a lot of chargebacks or excessive returns are also considered high risk. There are also certain items that are considered high risk. If you're a company that sells even just one of these items, that'll lump you into that category. Uh, one example recently are hoverboards. Scammers were purchasing hoverboards with stolen credit cards and then they would get the items before the chargebacks would come in. So processors like Stripe and Shopify Payments, they put people selling hoverboards on their list as a high risk product and Pretty much would, wouldn't work with them anymore. Some other things that are considered high risk would be counterfeit goods. I don't know if that includes things like cloned RDAs or tanks, but maybe. And other high risk products would be industries regulated by the state, which includes tobacco, alcohol, and medical marijuana. So even though vaping isn't tobacco, the government is kind of considering it that way right now. And so are payment processors. Those are just a few reasons why vaping might be considered high risk. And that's why payment processors like Stripe and PayPal don't allow vape products in their platform. So you do need to find a high risk processor if you're gonna start selling online. Unfortunately, the video didn't talk about who those payment processors are, but at least you know not to waste your time with processors like Stripe and PayPal. Okay, this next topic is another thread that I came across on ecigaretteforum.com. It was titled, Worst Vapor Juice You Have Ever Tried. The thread was actually deleted. I don't know what went on in the comments section to make the user delete it, but I did take some notes on the day that it was published and just wanted to bring up some of the e-juices. And because we all have different flavor preferences, I didn't want to, I didn't really feel like talking about any specific e-juices, but I did want to mention something that was brought up in the thread. It's a company called ecblendflavors.com. They sell a bunch of novelty flavors and that would include things like roast beef, pepper, carrot, crab legs, pickle, 
tomato soup, and Worcestershire sauce. I also saw some people mentioning e-juices like blue cheese and bacon flavors. And the vape team, they were also talking about an e-juice they recently got. I think it was like a, a pizza or a calzone or something like that. And they said it was really good. So when you read these and you think about vaping them in an e-juice, they sound pretty disgusting, but I've never actually vaped a savory flavor. So I'm actually kind of interested in trying it. I think roast beef and pepper and tomato soup, those might be okay. The pizza flavored e-juice that the vape team were talking about, that one might be okay. But something like pickles or crab legs, those don't sound good to me at all, but I'm not a fish fan either. So, so maybe if you like crab, you might like that one. But yeah, it kind of reminds me of those weird tasting jelly belly jelly beans that you can get. And people seem to like those. They're at least fun to try. So I see on ecblendflavors.com that you can get these flavors for really cheap. You can get a five mil bottle for only 250. And for flavors like these, five milliliters is more than enough probably. I see they carry like 19 flavors, so there's a lot of them to try here. I'm very tempted to try these out. Let me know if you guys do. I'd love to hear your experience with them. All right, this next topic was another thread on ecigaretteforum.com. This one was a question from a user asking, why do people choose a mech over a regulated device? So some of the reasons people gave are that mech mods have no delay, They're, it's just pure power output. They work every time, they work forever. The settings won't change in your pocket. There's no time limit on puffs. There's elegance in simplicity. They're fail-proof, which I don't agree with entirely. They are vape-mageddon-proof. Vape-mageddon being something like the TPD in the UK where, or the FDA regulations that might be coming here in the US where all vaping products after 2007 will be wiped from the market. So if something like that happens, you still have your mech mod and you can build it in any way you want. Some more reasons here. There's no circuitry interfering with the machine's function. You can throw it in your sink full of water and some dish soap and wash it and it won't break. And it doesn't have electronics that will eventually fail. I think there are a lot of really good reasons in there. If I was forced to choose between either a mech mod or a regulated mod for the rest of my life and I could only use one, I would go with a mech mod for all of the reasons that were mentioned in the thread, but since that's not a scenario I have to worry about, I would choose a regulated mod over a mech mod any day, just because they're easier to use and I think they're safer to use. But if Vapemageddon ever happens, I do own a couple of mech mods, so I'm safe anyway. And if that's something that you're worried about, maybe you should pick one up too. There have been rumors that the FDA is going to announce their regulations sometime this month. Alright, this next one is just funny. It looks like it was a guy who's putting an ad up on Facebook, maybe in a Facebook group, who was charging $100 to be a human fog machine for parties using his vaporizer. His ad says, I'm here to offer a one-of-a-kind experience by yours truly. For compensation, I will perform as a human fog machine at your parties using my vape as my only tool. Also, I can customize the amount of vapor and the smell of the vapor, or no smell, however you would like. Direct message for consultation. And he did get one comment, at least in this picture, that said, Hi, I'm for sure interested, just making sure it's a fairly steady fog. Will you be taking breaks? And he responded, Fog is constant, I will stop for nothing. I would like to know how he's going to keep a constant fog throughout the entire party. Is he going to be using several devices? Is he going to be using a tank or a dripper? How many batteries is he bringing with him? And I sure hope he has access to a lot of water. It's funny the things people will do for some money. But hey, if you need money, I wouldn't mind to get paid to vape, depending on how long I'd have to do it. Alright, and this last one is a video titled A Fond Farewell. This is from Martin Parker. If you don't know who he is, he does some of the best e-juice reviews on YouTube. He does other reviews too, but I really like his e-juice reviews because he's, he, he's so descriptive about the flavors. So I'm really sad to see him go. He did say that he might do a vlog here and there maybe once every six weeks or so, but he's decided to stop doing reviews pretty much entirely based on the fact that it's so time consuming and he'd rather spend his free time with his family instead of being locked up in his office. 
I really enjoyed his videos, but I can totally understand his decision. Recording reviews is really time-consuming, and that's why I only do maybe one a week. I don't know how people do one a day. Anyway, I wish him the best of luck. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. You'll find the show notes and links on vapepassion.com. If you want to help support the show, consider donating to my Patreon page. You'll find that at patreon.com slash vapepassion. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Every little bit helps. You can follow me on Twitter at VapePassion, and I'm also on Facebook and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me. You can find the contact form on my website, VapePassion.com. And that's it for me. I hope to see you back again next week.